This morning, I want to talk about Jesus. I thought, what better way to start 2024 than talking about Jesus and talking about us loving God and loving Jesus and our vertical relationship um, with God. And um, everything we do uh, and, our, and our heart and our vision as a church is, is to love God, is to love him, focus on him, love people, love one another, and to love the world that he's called us to serve and to change. And so uh, I want to just talk about loving him this morning. I've said this a few times before, but I used to work at Heathrow, and um, I a couple of times got the, got the privilege of going up to the top of the control tower. And um, if you've ever been up there, it is 87 meters above the ground, and you get this amazing overview. You get this amazing um, 360 degree view of the airport and the runways and the airfields and stuff. And you can watch all of the activity unfolding on the airfield below. And so this morning, I almost kind of want to climb the tower, climb the Heathrow control tower, and we're going to look at the life of Abraham in Genesis. And we're going to get a bit of an overview of his life. We're going to rattle through 10 chapters of Genesis. Do not worry, we will not read every chapter of Genesis. But it gives us an amazing picture of Abraham's life and devotion to God and gives us this brilliant picture of what it is to love God and to follow him. And um, we first meet Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And in verse 1 of chapter 12, it says this, God says to Abraham, leave your country your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now, why does God tell Abraham to leave? Well, in Joshua chapter 24, uh, we find out that the household that Abraham is from is, is a household which does not love God, which does not worship God, and they worship other gods and other idols. And so it's like God is saying to Abraham, I want to have a relationship with you. Uh, I've got something better for you, something better for your life, but it's going to be really hard for you to follow me if you are constantly distracted by everything else that's going on around you. If you're surrounded by people who are loving and worshipping other things, other gods, and I'm going to need you to leave those things behind and follow me. And so the, the first point is this, that loving God sometimes means leaving things behind. And this, this idea of, of, of leaving things behind weaves its, its way all through Scripture. And uh, there is this, this idea of repentance and this idea of leaving the old behind. And in, in Hebrews 12, we get, this, we get this amazing picture of a runner running a race. And it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, it may not come as much of a surprise to you, but I am not much of a runner. 
And uh, last week, we also discovered that Leah, our new youth pastor, is also not much of a runner. But if I was Usain Bolt, and some would say I do have a similar physique, uh, and I tried to run the 100 meters sprint, but I had bags on and coats on and my new baggy jeans, which Toby informed me I have to wear now. Do you like them? Thank you. Thank you very much. I feel a bit weird in baggy jeans, not skinny jeans. So anyway, that's not the point. We're talking about Usain Bolt and running races here. Get back with the program. But anyway, if I was to try and run the 100 meter race and do it in 9.58 seconds with my baggy jeans on, I would not achieve it. However, if I was wearing my running lycra and t-shirt, I'm sure I could do it in under 10 seconds, maybe. But the point is this, for Usain Bolt to run the 100 meters in 9.58 seconds, he has to throw off everything. He has to wear the right gear in order to run the race, to be unhindered. And that's what God is saying to Abraham here, throw off everything that's distracted you. The things that have held you back, throw them off. I don't know if you saw in the news this week that that plane that that crash landed in Japan. Amazingly, miraculously, everybody walked away from that plane. But the reason uh, the professionals say that everybody survived that, 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 that crash was everybody in that plane left their bags behind. They left their bags behind, and that enabled them to get out of the plane swiftly. And that's what we're looking at this morning. And maybe for some of us, we need to ask the Holy Spirit again at the start of this new year to reveal to us maybe the things in our lives which have been holding us back, maybe the things that have been weighing us down, maybe the things that have been distracting us and keeping our focus of him, the things which have slowed us down to running the race which he's called us to run. Where do we spend our time? What are we filling our minds with? Are the friendships and the relationships enabling our relationship with God to flourish? Where are we we spending our money? What are we spending our money on? What are the things that are stopping our relationship from Jesus flourishing? How many of us have made New Year's resolutions this year? A few of us? Well, well done my father-in-law Richard. He is about the only person in the room that has made a New Year's resolution. Are you gonna be nice to your son-in-law this year? Is that the resolution? No, no it's not. Um, but maybe, maybe we have made some goals or some to-do lists of things that we wanna do and we wanna achieve this year. And, I, and I maybe, maybe for some of us, it might be liberating just to, to reflect back a bit on what we are doing and look at the goals that we have set and bring them before God at the start of this new year and say, God, what is it that you want for me in 2024? What might you want to put on your not-to-do list? What are the things you're going to stop doing this year? What are the things that he might want me to do in my relationship with him, that I might grow and flourish more in relationship with Jesus? And as we do this, we might find at the start of this year, there are some things that we need to say no to, things that we stop doing going forward. 
Loving God sometimes means leaving things behind, even good things. And so God goes on and he says to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. In other words, God is saying, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And so Abraham went, he goes. And uh, God reveals the plan to him. And this plan is about relationship. And, and, and God is saying to Abraham, I wanna do life with you. I wanna have relationship with you. I want to go on this journey with you. I wanna be so close in your life that when things are going well, I wanna be there next to you. And when things are not going so well, I wanna be there next to you. He's basically saying to Abraham, I want to be in partnership with you. I want to protect you. I want to walk with you. I want to bless you in such a way that you can be a blessing to others. And this plan is about relationship. And the truth is, this is God's plan and his posture towards us, towards you as well. He wants relationship with us. His purpose is that your life would be a blessing to others too. But I don't know if you noticed that in this passage, there is one really important thing that God fails to tell Abraham. And he says this, leave your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. God didn't tell Abraham where they were going. He just said, go to the place that I will show you. Just go. It's, it's a little bit like us heading off on a road trip and getting into the car and not putting a destination in the sat-nav and just jumping on the M1 and driving without any plan. Now, for some of us, we might think, oh, how liberating. For others of us, that would, particularly me, I would not like that, just to drive without knowing where we're going. But this is what God says to Abraham. Just go, leave. In other words, I'm not gonna tell you where we're going right now. I just need you to trust me in this moment. So the second point is this, loving God is about trusting his plans. And even more than that, loving God is about trusting his plans even when you don't know what the plan is. And uh, for some of us, this goes against everything that makes us feel safe and secure because I'm sure the majority of us like a plan. We like to know where we're going. We like to know the steps in terms of how we're gonna get there. And it's the same sometimes for our relationship with God. If we feel a sense that God is calling us to something new, to a new job, or to move elsewhere, or to step into something different, if you're anything like me, this is how the conversation with God will go. I'll do it, God, but here's the deal. I wanna know exactly the steps I need to take. I wanna know where I'm gonna end up. I wanna know the impact on my family. I wanna know how you're gonna provide for me. I wanna know how it's all gonna turn out. And if I'm honest, when I left um, my corporate job to move into ministry, it took me years and years to make the jump because I was nervous about where I was gonna land. I was nervous about the impact it would have on life and family. 
And in that moment, I wasn't fully trusting God. It was only when I got to that place of, God, I trust you, that I jumped. I wanted to know how it was all going to turn out before jumping into the plan. And uh, for many of us, this is sometimes where we get stuck in our relationship with God. There is this fear of the unknown which stops us moving forward, stops us stepping out of the situation that we're in. Um, Has anyone heard of the African Impala? Well, we're going to have a little safari lesson this morning. So uh, there's a picture going to come up on the screen. This is an Impala. There he is. And uh, I don't know if you know about this, this animal, but this... This, this creature here that's probably about the size of a goat, from standstill, can jump 10 feet in the air. Remarkable. I can see you're all shocked. And also, when it's running, it can... Oh, that was quite impressive, wasn't it? Thank you. Thank you. Now, that wasn't 30 feet, but this, this creature can also jump 30 feet when it's running, which is quite amazing. However, if you pop an impala in the zoo, in an enclosure... It will not escape, even if the wall around it is only three feet high. It only needs a wall three foot high to keep the impala in its enclosure. Wow, I hear you all say. Um, And do you know why the impala will not jump out of that enclosure? Because it cannot see where its feet are going to land. It cannot see where its feet are going to land. To land. And for some of us, this is a little bit like us. Sometimes we do not jump, we do not go because we cannot see where we're going to land. And for some of us, God is calling us into new things, into new adventures. He's calling us to take a risk, to follow Him into something different, to something greater than where we are today. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's to support someone that you know is in need at the moment. Because, but because we can't see exactly how it's all going to pan out, how it's going to turn out, because we can't see where we're going to land, it's almost like we've become paralyzed by fear. And we become captive in our circumstances. And so we settle for where we are rather than stepping into the greater things that God might have for us. And I really believe this is a truth for us to grasp as individuals for our own lives, but also this is a truth for us to grasp as Soul Survivor Watford as we step into a a new year. It's a truth for us. God has so much more for us as a church than we've already seen so far. And I believe he's calling us to move forward, to step into the greater things that he has for us. Now, we might not be able to see where it's all going to land, where it's all going to pan out, but the questions for us are these. Will we trust him? Will we follow him? Will we go on the adventure, or are we happy with the status quo and where we are today? And I think I know what I want to do. I want to go on an adventure with Jesus together. I want to love him more, trust him more, even if I don't know where it's all going to land. I want to go with him. I don't want to miss out. And this is exactly what Abraham does. He goes. And he takes his wife, Sarah, their nephew, Lot. They grab all their possessions, 
and they set out for Canaan. Now, Canaan is probably the distance between here and the highlands of Scotland. It's a long way to go on foot. And as you read through these chapters in Genesis, you see that they encounter so much hardship on the way. And uh, probably the hardest season for them was when they arrive in Egypt. And when they get there, they, they encounter fear of death. They encounter plagues. And there is this strife that is going on between Abraham and, and Sarah. And because of all this hardship, Abraham becomes more and more discouraged and disillusioned with God. And this disillusion with God, you start to wonder, well, how, how is God going to react to Abraham in this moment? And you expect that God will just get frustrated with the bloke and just say, come on, Abraham. Look, I told you, it's going to be okay. Just follow me. Let's, let's go. Pull yourself together. But he doesn't. And there is this moment, this tender moment between God and Abraham, where he reassures him again of the plan. He reassures him again of the promise that he made to him about making him a great nation. And then in Genesis 15, God says this, Abraham, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them, because there are so many. And then he says to him this, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now this is a really beautiful, tender moment you know, God calls Abraham out and he says, look up. Look up, look up at the stars, Abraham. I want you to, to visualize and see this plan that I'm, I'm calling you to. This nation that's going to come. All these stars that you can see are going to be your offspring. Now, I don't know about you, but when I step outside here in the beauty of Watford and I look up at night, I do not see many stars. But um, last October, we were up in the Lake District, and uh, we were in a house, and it had a hot tub outside, and uh, I think there was about 10 of us, the family. We all jumped in the hot tub together, and it was dark, and we looked up, and we could just see a sea of stars in the sky. And, uh, and scientists say that with the naked eye, when it's dark everywhere and you look up, you can see probably about 10,000 stars in the sky. And what's amazing about this moment with Abraham is that when God asked Abraham to look up at the stars, to be encouraged by this vision, to be encouraged by this dream, to be encouraged by all that God was doing and calling to him to do in his life, that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, Abraham looks up and he sees 10,000 stars. But you know what God saw? God said, no, 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 not, not thousands, billions, billions and billions of stars. Part of loving God is embracing his dream for your life. Part of loving God is not thinking small and playing it safe. Part of loving God is not thinking he could never use me. Part of loving God is not shrinking back. Loving God means embracing all that he has for your life. And for many of us, we are already in the place where we've embraced what he has for us. And we're in the place that he's called us to, which is wonderful. But maybe there's, for some of us, he is calling us into something different and something new. I know, uh, you know, his dream and his calling is different for all of us. For Claire, my wife, she knows that she is called 
to be an amazing primary school teacher. And that's where she serves. She loves seeing children learn, flourish, and grow. And she knows she's sitting in the place that God has called her to be. For others, it might be to work locally, to work at Sainsbury's, to be light and light in that place. For others, it might be to be an amazing stay-at-home parent and to raise our children to know and to love Jesus. For others of us, it might be that he's calling us to step out of work and start our own business. Um, I love Jessica and Philippe at the back there. Five, six years ago, they felt God speak and say a call to, to mission, a call to the mission field. So they went. They, they, they went and trained for three years and then they went off with OM ships for two or three years, and they followed God's call. They didn't know where they would end up, but they followed and went on an adventure with Jesus. Now, sometimes God doesn't work in our timings or on our timelines. Sometimes we have to wait and wait and wait, and it's painful. And I know for some of us in this room, you've gone through seasons of waiting which are painful, and I know for some of us in this room this morning, we're in a season of waiting, and it's painful. But sometimes loving God means trusting him enough to trust his timing. Loving God means trusting his timing. And so when we go back and we look at Abraham, he's now 11 years into this journey of God sending him, and the reality is, it's not easy. He's not having the time of his life at the moment. It's rough. And uh, he is struggling to understand, well, how on earth am I going to father a nation if I don't even have a son of my own? And so he decides after 11 years to take matters into his own hands. And he stops trusting God. And when he left Haran, he was 75. He's now 86 years old. And so Sarah, his wife does not have a particularly bright idea in this moment. And she says to him, why don't you go and spend some time with my servant Hagar? And that's what he does. And it says this in Genesis 16. So Hagar bore Abraham a son. And Abraham gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. This was not God's best for Abraham and Sarah. And Ishmael's birth created huge conflict, huge drama at the time because Abraham failed to trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. We don't need to take matters into our own hands. Now, how many of us have taken up a New Year's fitness resolution. Anyone gone back to the gym? I know you keep asking me to come to the gym. I will at some stage. Every time I see George, he's like, are you going to come to the gym? And I nod and knowingly say yes, but I know that you are at some stage going to drag me to the gym. But maybe you have downloaded the, um, the Couch to 5K app. Has anyone got that on their phone? Well done, Michelle. I have it on my phone, but it has gone to the stage where it's in sleep mode, so I'd have to read download it again to use it. But anyway, um, this app basically gets you from lying on your couch to running the park run 5K in Casabri within nine weeks. Amazing. Who wants to do it? Well, that's amazing. <laughs> okay. 
I just think, oh, your hands are down, thinking, yeah, I want to do it. I don't need to, don't need to boast. But anyway, if I was to download this app and just decide, well, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to bother with the nine weeks, and I just think I can run 5Ks this afternoon, and I go out this afternoon and try and run 5Ks without the app, I would probably pop an Achilles, I will twist an ankle, and there's a potential that I may end up in A&E. So the, 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 the point is this. The app is the plan. The app knows best for me. The app will get me to 5Ks within nine weeks. And it's the same for us. We need to trust the plan, trust God's timing. He's no, he knows best. And I know sometimes it's really frustrating and it's painful to sit in that place of waiting, but making poor choices on our own can be even more painful, can be even more painful. Maybe for some of us, you know, we're, we're desperate for that next promotion at work. And so we think, oh, well, I'm just going to step on that person in order to get the bump ahead, or I'm going to take credit for someone else's work. And actually what God's saying in that moment is just trust me, love me, follow me, and he will work it out. We can trust him because he always comes through on his promises. And in Genesis 21, guess what happens? We are now... 25 years, 25 years into this journey. And Sarah is 90. Abraham is 100. And God says to Sarah, you're going to have a baby. Now, I love verse 6. She says, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh at me. (laughs) Can you imagine Having a baby at 90 and 100, I mean, I'm 47, and the thought of a toddler now would kill me. But it sounds exhausting. And, but they're 90 and 100. But, but what's so amazing about this? This is an incredible miracle. It is the fulfillment of everything God had spoken and promised to Abraham and Sarah 25 years before. And Isaac is born. And uh, you hope that this would be like the end, the Disney tale ending of the story. And they all live happily ever after. But then God says this to Abraham in Genesis 22 2. Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. Can you imagine what Abraham is thinking in this moment? And if any of us have got questions around what God is doing in our lives at the moment, can you imagine what Abraham may have been thinking in this moment? He'd be like, come on, God. 25 years. 25 years I've waited for a son. I've waited to get to this point. What on earth are you doing? You told me to leave everything behind. I thought you were different. And for Abraham, he had, he had left a tribe, he had left a household where child sacrifice was, was common in that place. And so in his mind, he was thinking, I thought God was different. I thought you were different to the gods that, that my family used to worship and bow down to. What are you doing? You told me all these things. You told me the dream. How is there going to be a nation if I don't have a son? What are you doing? And 
And this is the point that I'm trying to get to today. This is the key of what I'm trying to say. And, and, it's, and it's many things. Loving God is many things. It's leaving things behind, even good things. Loving God means trusting his plan, even if you don't know where the plan ends. Loving God means trusting his timing, even when it's not to your schedule or timetable. But all, all of this leads to this moment. And ultimately, loving God is all about this. Loving God means getting to the point in your relationship with God that you can surrender to him what is most important to you. Loving God means surrendering to him what is most important to you. Is it your career? Is it your money? Is it your reputation and your accomplishments? Is it providing security for you and your family? Is it your status? Is it, is it getting approval from, from other people or attention from other people? Maybe that's what's most important to you. Maybe, maybe it's an addiction in your life, the thing that you always come back to, to dull the pain of, of things that you're experiencing, and it just distracts us for a little while. Maybe that's what's most important to you. Maybe it's your family, like Abraham. Maybe family's the thing that's most important. And for Abraham, this is what it was, his son Isaac. And it says this in verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. Abraham's going through with it. He's going through with what God's asked him to do. And at this stage, we don't, we don't know how old Isaac is, but he's not a baby. This, this boy is carrying the wood up the hill. He's chatting to his dad. He's, he's asking his dad, Where, where's the lamb? And he's probably thinking, what the heck is my dad up to? And Abraham gets to this point of almost going ahead with sacrificing his son, doing what the Lord asked of him. And in verse 11 we read, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replies. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Abraham was about to do it. And God intervenes and he says, do not lay a hand on the boy. And he said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. And this isn't about fear or being afraid of God. This is about reverence of God. This is about love for God. This is about devotion to God. All along, this was a test. And it goes on in this, on this passage. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. It was a test all along. God was good all along. God was faithful all along. He had a plan all along. And Abraham could have trusted God all along. And for us, when we find out that we can trust God with the things that matter the most to us, when we surrender 
everything to God. When we hold the things that are most important to him with open hands, when we're willing to sacrifice the thing that is most important, when we're able to trust him with the things that we love the most in the world, it is at that point that God is actually the thing we love the most, the person we love the most. And that's the place I long for each of us to get to. That's what it means to love God. That's what it is to pour out everything to him. And then there is a reality that we can go in and out of this place of devotion. One moment we get there and then the next day we can get distracted. But this was a a watershed moment for Abraham. He had been distracted a number of times along the way, but this was the moment that he realized his God was different, our God was different. And what was his response to God in this moment? Total and utter surrender. In this moment of handing over to God, what was most important to Abraham? He worshiped, he worshiped. And in that moment of worship, Abraham knew afresh that God provides and that he can trust him with everything. And this is a story about Abraham loving God. This is a story about God loving Abraham. But even more, this is a story about how God loves us, how God loves you. And this place that Abraham had taken Isaac to, Mount Moriah, shows up in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and it's got a a new name, Golgotha. And in the New Testament, there was a son, and uh, this son was carrying up wood for a sacrifice up the hill, but this was not a pile of firewood. This was a wooden cross. And in this new story, there there wasn't anybody who intervened because God loved us, God loved you so much that he surrendered the person he loves the most for you, his one and only son, Jesus. And so today, as as we enter this new year and we begin a new year, maybe this is a moment for us just to surrender afresh to Jesus, a moment for us just to say yes to him again, to say yes to maybe leaving some of the things behind which have distracted us, maybe saying yes to trusting his plan, even if we don't know where it's going to end up and where we're going to land. Maybe it's the time to say yes to trusting his timing, even if it's not in your timescales and fits with your diary. Maybe this new year is a time to say yes to surrendering the things to him which matter the most to us in order to follow him with everything. That's what it is to love God. That's what it is to love Jesus. That's worship. Amen.